good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show. I'm your host, Kieran Mack, and thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like this video if you're watching us on YouTube, and please do subscribe. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and a host of other podcast players. Now that that's all done, let's jump into today's show. Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Thai Expat Daily Show. I'm Kira Mack, as always. Now, today is Monday, the 11th of July, 2022. And before we start this podcast, I'd love if you could please like this video if you're watching us on YouTube. Please subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And if you get an opportunity, we'd love if you could share this podcast, whether it's on YouTube or wherever you're listening it, to Twitter or Facebook, because it certainly will help with the reach and the algorithm. So, let's jump into the first story of the day. Priot faces censor but eyes keeping power in 2023 election. Prime Minister Priot Chanacha is encountering another tough test that could oust him from power in the final stretch of his four-year term as he is set to face a fourth no-confidence motion later this month. The opposition bloc, led by the Putai party last month, filed the censure motion against General Priot and 10 ministers for failing to solve economic problems, prevent corruption and mishandling the COVID-19 pandemic crisis. The issues are similar to those General Priot had been accused of in a 2021 no-confidence motion, but it is uncertain whether he will win the confidence vote as he is in a more vulnerable position due to friction within the ruling Palan Pracharat party and the post-pandemic economic recovery being impeded by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. If General Priot loses, he will step down and a new Prime Minister will be chosen from members of the House of Representatives, with the names of possible candidates including Deputy Prime Minister Anatan Sharavakul, who heads the coalition party Bumjaitai Party, emerging. In case General Priot survives, Putai is expected to file a petition to the Constitutional Court to rule on the issue of General Priot's apparent bid to secure a controversial third term. The largest opposition, which consists of supporters of ousted Prime Minister Taksin Shinawatra, is gearing up efforts to demonstrate to voters that the government should change. In the censure debate, likely to be had later this month, Putai is vowing to grill General Priot and the 10 ministers over their failure in coping with the nation's increasing debt and their abuse of power by allocating budgets to strongholds of the coalition parties. In the previous no-confidence motion against six ministers in September 2021, which was voted down by the ruling coalition, General Priot received the highest number of no-confidence votes amid the conflict within the party. That conflict ended in the breakup of the 18-member faction led by the Deputy Agricultural Minister Tamanat Prompao, who was eventually ousted from the post for his alleged attempt to unseat General Priot. In the upcoming censure motion, General Priot needs the votes of more than half of the current 477 members of the House of Representatives, meaning he must win support from all lower house members of the ruling coalition formed by Palang Pracharat and over 10 other parties and those of some opposition parties including Tamanat's party. Now, Wan Wishit Boon Prong, a political lecturer at Rangsak University, believes General Priot will survive the censure motion by making money deals with the coalition partners and also some policymakers of the opposition. But the leader, believed to be aiming for his third term, would face another hurdle. General Priot, a former army general who led a military coup in 2014, assumed the premier post of the military government in August that year. 
While his two four-year terms would end this August, General Pryat's aides have argued since earlier this year that his term started technically in 2019 under the 2017 constitution, maintaining that he could stay in the country's top post until 2023. Rebuting the claim, the opposition has raised a legal question and will likely file a petition to the Constitutional Court to rule on the term issue if General Pryat survives the no-confidence debate. And moving along, hoteliers deride government proposals for dual pricing and this is a story that we covered in the last podcast. Hoteliers have expressed concerns about the government's plan to set dual pricing for foreign tourists and locals, saying the move is impractical and demanding the administration roll out effective promotions to spur tourism sentiment in an effort to increase room rates. The idea of dual pricing is impractical as room rates shift dynamically based on market conditions, said Marisa Sukasal, president of the Thai Hotels Association. Hotels in each tier also use different strategies to set prices, she added. If demand increases to support hotel occupancy, then the rate will automatically increase, said Miss Marisa. On Wednesday, a government spokesperson said hoteliers will be asked to implement a dual tariff structure under which foreign tourists will be charged pre-pandemic prices while discounted rates are maintained for locals. Every hotelier would like to operate with higher and fair rates to gain a larger margin, but it is difficult to do so because of heated competition and oversupply. Operators have to use pricing strategy to gain cash flow, said Miss Marisa. In addition to a tourism plan for the international market, the government can jointly conduct domestic campaigns with the association to offer special prices for ties and increase domestic trips, she said. Suksik Suvakatal, president of the Thai Hotel Association Southern Chapter, said it is common for hotels to offer discounted rates for Thai residents and normal rates for foreign visitors, but hoteliers cannot raise their prices to levels tallied in 2019 because demand is too weak. The current room rates in Phuket are still 30 to 40% lower than rates in 2019 and a full recovery is not expected in this upcoming high season, he said. Half of the hotels on the island remain closed, while the volume of tours has rebounded to only 30% of the pre-COVID level, said Mr. Suxit. He said the government should urge hotel operators to focus on the domestic market as an increase in room rates could drive locals to travel overseas instead. The We Travel Together hotel subsidy scheme needs to continue until the end of the year to maintain domestic tourism momentum, said Mr. Suxit. Responding to the dual pricing proposal, Charantip Tia Porn, president of the Tourism Council of Krabi, said this sensitive issue could create a negative tourism image because everyone needs to be treated equally and clear communication is essential. Krabi hotels have slashed roommates by at least 50% from levels in 2019. Bookings are expected to reach the pre-pandemic levels in the fourth quarter thanks to forward bookings from the Scandinavian market in December and support from domestic guests, she said. Piapat Rechabakaran, the tourism and sports minister, said the government did not give a mandatory order about the issue but wants to encourage hotels to shift room rates based on the market. The administration wants to avoid overpricing, support cash flow and maintain the service standard of hotels. So this is a story we discussed the last day in which the government were basically talking about hotels having to charge pre-pandemic prices for foreign tourists while ties, local ties here in the country would pay or get a discounted rate. Now, 
I read another article similar to this, but it was the government rolling back on it, saying it wasn't going to be mandatory. We're just asking for hotels to do it. Now, hotels have really pushed back against this because this is not something they want to do. At the end of the day, hotels are in the business to make money and the room rate, whether it's for a Thai or a foreigner, will be based on market conditions. It won't be based on where you come from, the color of your skin, you know, how much money have your pocket. If you can afford to stay at their hotel, then you can come and stay at the hotel. Now, this other subsidy scheme that they're calling for to be extended, this We Travel Together hotel subsidy scheme, we've talked about this in a program before. It's where the government pay 40% of the room rate for uh, Thai citizens and the Thai citizen will pay pay the remainder 60%. They also get some vouchers to spend while uh, in the hotel, but generally they don't spend them in the hotel. They'll spend them outside at local participating restaurants. Now, I would be against this for the fundamental reason that this is coming from the taxpayer. The taxpayer are basically paying for people, right, to go on holidays for a few days. Now, that's not where people want their tax money to be going to. And that's my opinion on this. People would expect their tax money to be used in a appropriate manner, especially when the country is on its knees and in need of things such as, you know, food for the poor and, you know, making sure that children have uniforms when they're going to school and children are being looked after and things like this. And people, the idea that taxpayers' money is going to be funding people to head off on a holiday, you know, every other weekend is just ludicrous in my opinion. Now, it's gone on, this program's been extended four or five times, but at the end of the day, the country are borrowing money left, right and centre just to keep it going. So where's the money going to come for all this again? And I think at some point, the hand needs to go up by somebody and say, listen, enough is enough. If you can afford to go away on a holiday for a few days, then you can afford to do it. And if you can't, then you can't. And we have to kind of practice monetary budgeting during this time. The The cost of living is increasing everywhere around the world and not just in Europe or America, but in Thailand too. Prices are going up. And I was reading a different article where they were saying that uh, currently now the cost of living is roughly about 18,000 baht for somebody in Thailand, for, let's say, a graduate from university, 18,000 baht. That's what it would cost for a graduate who's just left university, wants to get a job, gets a job and wants to live. And that's what they're saying it would cost, about 18,000 baht per month. But currently, the basic salary for a graduate from university, for whatever reason, is 15,000 per month. So there is a shortfall already of about 3,000. Now, the government promised during the last uh, election campaign that this would be increased to 20,000 per month. Of course, it never happened. They'll blame COVID and everything else. But the way I see it, if you have money to be given to people to go on holidays and support the hotel industry with 40% room rates, you know, 40% of the room rate to hoteliers, and you're able to support people to go on holidays, then you should be able to support people's basic cost of living increases and do what you promised that you would do for people. And I think there needs to come a point where this kind of program needs to be scrapped and we need to focus on demand and supply. And if you can afford to go on away on a holiday, you go on your holiday. And if you can't, then you save. And when you can afford, you go on it. But, you know, it's coming back to this whole thing as well is the mentality of the tourism ministry or, you know, the government. And when they talk about having separate prices for foreigners versus locals, It's craziness. And of course, the minute 
it would be published on BBC or CNN or, you know, NBC or wherever it would be. As soon as it hits the papers abroad, the government, as you can see, are already backtracking. Oh, you know, no, we're not going to make people do it. It's all a misunderstanding, you know, which is always the case here. I mean, sometimes you need to wonder how these people ever, did they ever run a business? I mean, surely before you decide that you're going to open your mouth and talk about this, that you would sit down with the Hotel Federation, the Hotel Association. What do you think of this plan? Get their opinion. Have a public consultation about. And if you're going to make it as a policy, then you talk to the different stakeholders. You don't just go and announce it without talking to anybody and then look like idiots backtracking as soon as everybody pushes, you know, against the saying, this is ludicrous. It's absolutely nonsense. So yeah, it's the normal thing that's been going on here for the last two years or so, fuzzy thinking, no focus on what's going on. And really, I think we've all come to expect it. But I'd love to know, guys, what you think about it. The Obviously, from the last podcast, the dual pricing is not popular. But what do you think is the mindset of the government here when they continuously announce things and then backtrack on it? I mean, does it show a real lack of competence within the government? Or do you think it's their way of kind of trying to see if what the reaction would be to this, both domestically and internationally. I'd love to know your opinion, guys, as always, down below in that comment section. And next up, the Tourism Authority of Thailand to propose visa fee exemptions to lure more foreign tourists. The Tourism Authority of Thailand will ask the CCSA, that's the Centre for COVID-19 Situation Administration, to consider waiving visa fees until the year end to promote arrivals and increase spending by foreign tourists. TAT Governor Yutasak Supasorn said the proposal would be raised at the next CCSA meeting, which has not been scheduled yet. Yutasak said the visa fee exemption would be another step to boost revenue from foreign tourists after the CCSA abolished the Thailand Pass registration on July 1. TAT expects revenue of 1.5 trillion baht this year compared to 3 trillion baht in 2019 before the COVID pandemic, the governor said. Tourism operators have been calling for the exemption of visa fees once approved until December 31st. The fee is currently 1,000 baht for those applying for a visa before arrival and 2,000 for a visa on arrival. Yutasak said tour operators also propose that the government extend tourism visas from 30 to 45 days for those seeking one in advance and the visa on arrival from 15 to 45 days. The operators believed a visa exemption and longer stay would encourage more foreign tourists to visit Thailand and stay longer and thus spend more in the kingdom. They also pointed out that the two proposals would support the government's Visit Thailand Year 2022-2023 policy. The private sector and TAT has seen that foreign tourists normally plan his or her tourism budget. If tourists don't need to pay visa fees, they would spend the money in our country, Yutasak explained. He said TAT expected about 5 million to 7 million foreign tourists to visit Thailand in the second half of this year and spend some 5 to 7 billion baht injecting money into the domestic economy. This money will distribute income better to the grassroots people. In particular, Indian tourists who travel in families will spend more here if they don't have to pay 8,000 baht to 10,000 baht for visa fees alone, Yutlasak said. However, he said the proposal would have to be considered by other related government agencies as well. Visa applications are under responsibility of the foreign ministry, while the Immigration Bureau oversees the visa on arrival, he said. 
Utasak noted that after Thailand Pass was discontinued on July 1, the number of foreign arrivals jumped to some 38 to 40,000 a day, compared to the 25 to 30,000 a day in June. If the current rate of international arrivals continue, the number of foreign tours will exceed 1 million per month. TAD expects about 1 million foreign tours to arrive each month in the third quarter or from July to September. The number will increase to 1.5 million in the fourth quarter, Yurtasak believed. He said TAD expects about 9.5 million foreign tourists to visit Thailand this year, if there are enough flights for them. In the first six months, 2.1 million people visited the country, with Indians topping the list at 234,000, followed by 196,000 Malaysians and 127,000 Singaporeans. Meanwhile, the Thai Hotel Association President Marisa Sukasal said a survey of 137 hotels from June 13 to 26 found that the room occupancy rate in June was 38%, compared to 36% in May. She expected occupancy in July to improve because of the government's extension of the fourth phase of its We Travel Together subsidy scheme. We spoke about that in the last story. The association expects an occupancy rate of more than 50% in the fourth quarter. The cancellation of the Thailand Pass and the lifting of the mask mandate did bode well for the hotel business, resulting in a clear sign of recovery, she maintained. However, the lack of skilled personnel, as many have resigned and returned to their home provinces during the COVID pandemic, would hamper hotel business recovery, Marisa said. According to her, the shortage of hotel personnel was serious in Bangkok, Phuket, Chiang Mai, Chamburi and Surat Thani. And moving along, Thai talk show host prosecuted for criticising weed policy. An arrest warrant has been issued for a well-known television personality now heading to court for criticising the government's move to decriminalise weed. Natakorn Devakula revealed during the Wake Up Thailand talk show this afternoon that he was summoned to answer a charge of defamation for his on-air remarks, critical of Deputy Prime Minister and Public Health head honcho Anutan Sharavakul. I criticised the people who legalised marijuana and the police came to my home with an arrest warrant, Natakorn said. But if I grew marijuana in my home, they wouldn't come and arrest me. Is society abnormal? The 45-year-old former governor candidate said he must travel to Buriam province, home of Anatan's Bumjai Thai party, for a Friday court hearing. Defamation is a criminal offence in Thailand and carries two years in prison and a fine of 200,000 baht. In June, the voice TV host and frequent target of the military-backed government censors said during the Daily Dose talk show that it was immoral of Anatan and Bumjai Thai to promote legalisation and accused them of promoting drug addiction. According to Buriam's deputy mayor, Yutachai Pong Panik, the televised remarks damaged the political party with defamatory statements. In June, weed was fully decriminalised, purportedly for medical benefit, but it had the effect of enabling legal recreational smoking as well, which has come under fire from social conservative corners. Acting through its broadcast regulators, the government has censored Natacorn's comments in the past, ordering his show taken off the air several times. Next up, 1 million baht per day fine for mobile operators failing to act against call scamming. The National Broadcasting and Telecommunications Commission has set a daily fine of 1 million baht for any mobile phone operator that fails to support government efforts to suppress the rampant scourge of call centre scams. 
the Commission agreed on Wednesday that mobile phone operators must comply with the MBTC regulation on proof of identity and set the level of the fine, the MBTC said in a public statement. The regulation require mobile phone operators to call any subscriber who has more than five phone numbers and require them to show up at their local branch and prove their identity. It was originally introduced many years ago to cope with a wave of phone detonated terrorist bombings in the far south. The independent regulator agency has ordered mobile phone operators to comply with the rule within 30 days or face a daily fine of 1 million baht. The regulation is aimed at preventing criminals using multiple SIM cards for call scams, which have, however, become widespread. An MBTC survey found that many people had registered more than five phone numbers and yet mobile phone operators did not insist they report and verify their identity. Police reported that some mobile phone subscribers had as many as 10,000 numbers. The NBTC had discussed the issue with the Ministry of Digital, Economy and Society, the Technology Crime Suppression Division and major mobile phone operators. The Commission proposed that incoming overseas call numbers should have a plus prefix so that mobile phone users could decide whether they should answer such calls, which could be called scams. Now, actually, I, I kind of agree with this, and, and it's something I've noticed since I came back from abroad, uh, especially the amount of scam calls and calls from overseas. Now, while I'm talking overseas, I've received calls from America, Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, a number that I'm not quite sure where the hell that ever came from. But the thing is, when you answer them all, you hear the Thai voice at the end of the line. And this has been going on quite a while. I did a bit of a survey on Twitter not so long ago and an awful lot of people that, you know, I follow and that follow me, we are in the same boat. And the amount of scams and call scams that are coming through is absolutely ridiculous. And yes, I do think that the mobile phone operators have a duty of care to ensure that this is cut out as much as possible. And it is up to them to ensure that people who have multiple numbers like this are using them in a proper way because you know the amount of scams online seem to be increasing day by day and maybe it's got to do with people you know kind of turning to criminality during the pandemic when they have no money they're trying to make some form of money i'm not quite sure but there is certainly an increase in this over the last couple of years here in Thailand. And I put it out to you guys who are living here and people who live in other countries. I'd love to know your experience of these scam phone calls. Have you ever been scammed or nearly scammed? And how did you figure out that it was a scam? I'd love to know those comments as always down below in the comment section. Macau closing all casinos to fight COVID. Macau will shut almost all business premises, including casinos, for a week from Monday as a COVID-19 outbreak in the gambling hub showed few signs of abating. Essential business operations, including supermarkets and pharmacies, will remain open, the Macau Daily reported, quoting city officials at a briefing on Saturday. The measures, which follows multiple rounds of mass testing, returns the enclave to its toughest pandemic restriction. Macau on Saturday announced 71 new cases, bringing the total in the latest outbreak since June 18 to 1,374. Macau had previously shut schools, public venues and entertainment outlets, including bars and cinemas. It also locked down the Grand Lisboa Casino Hotel after a cluster of 13 cases were found linked to the venue, trapping some 500 people inside. 
The city, which relies on gambling for 80% of its revenue and had been avoiding a systematic shutdown of casinos, previously only closed the venues once in February 2020. Macau is following China's zero-COVID playbook, relying on mass testing and the confinement of residents to identify and then squash transmission chains. But the policies have left the mainland mirrored in a cycle of unpredictable stop-start restrictions that are taking an enormous economic and social toll. The curbs are likely to deal a substantial blow to the gambling hub, which has been struggling with a dirt of tourists and slumping revenue as mainland policies discourage travel to the territory. Beyond the virus, the casinos industry is facing other challenges, including a new law that significantly increases government control over operators and Beijing's crackdown on high-rolling gamblers to curb capital outflows. And finally, the Phuket News Daily Report. Crocodiles not starving at Phuket tourist attraction, officials confirm. The owner and operator of a Phuket crocodile tourist attraction that was forced to close during the pandemic has refuted allegations that the crocodiles still on site are neglected to the point that they are starving and eating each other. Phuket ramps up tsunami warning readiness. Disaster officials are to test to tsunami warning sirens in all five Andaman provinces every day by playing the national anthem at 8am and local administrations are to check their areas to ensure tsunami evacuation signs can be clearly seen and are in good order. And finally, Saracen Bridge jump prevented. A man was prevented from jumping off the Saracen Bridge this afternoon. Finally, just a little app of the day and something I discovered recently. There's an app that's both in the Android and the iOS store. It's called Thai Disaster Alert. Now, this app basically will tell you about extreme weather alerts, tsunami warnings and things like this. Uh, You just fill out some details when you log into it. And uh, yeah, you can set the alerts to come in your phone and then you'll you'll see whenever there's a heavy weather alert, a tsunami alert, a tsunami warning and stuff like this. And it, it comes in very handy. Now, the only downside to this is that the alerts are in Thai, but it's very easy to translate them as long as you've got Google Translate on your phone. But it is something that is worth having on your phone if you live here on one of the Andaman Coast uh, provinces. And it's just something I highly recommend but wanted to share with you guys. But ultimately, with this story or anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in the comments down below. Because yes, this is a new show, but it's also a conversation. Now keep that conversation going. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, share the video, and do all the good stuff that does help that YouTube algorithm. But ultimately, my name is Kieran Mack. You've been listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show, and we will see you next time.